Yo, Orlando, guess who's getting hard as a rock? Jay and Silent Bob at the Hard Rock Live on March 16th. Kevin Smith and Jason Muse will regale you with ribald tales so debaucherous, I can't even mention them here. Actually, I just don't know what the fuck they're going to talk about. But prepare your funny boner for some awesome oral. We'll even supply the tissues. Jay and Silent Bob get old at the Hard Rock Live in Orlando on March 16th. Links for tickets for this and all Smodco shows available now at csmod.com. Yo, Detroit, guess who's coming to save the city on April 13th? Nope, not RoboCop. Jay and Silent Bob, motherfuckers. Smotco's icons are taking the stage at the Redford Theater, and you are cordially invited to plant your ass there. Kevin Smith and Jason Muse. No trench coats, no hair extensions, but maybe a reference to Don't Stop Believing. Jay and Silent Bob get old. April 13th at the Redford Theater in Detroit. Tickets on sale now, so go get them, Tiger. Oh, wait, sorry. Lions. Links to tickets for all Smodco shows at csmod.com. Biatch. So you're saying to yourself, yo, sir, dude, I wanted to see Kevin Smith in Halifax, Nova Scotia, but the motherfucker sold out. Well, after I shed a tear for you, I highly recommend bookmarking csmod.com. That's the place on the worldwide interwebs to see all upcoming Smodco shows updated with linky links to Tiki Tickets. Say it with me, baby. csmod.com. Nice. Ooh, I just got a little hard there. Red State DVD and Blu-ray available now at coopersdell.com. Get exclusive bundle packages featuring posters, soundtracks, t-shirts, signed scripts, wardrobe used in the film, and a chance to be a guest on air with Kevin Smith via Skype. Red State DVD and Blu-ray exclusive bundles now at coopersdell.com. Smirch alert, smirch alert, motherfucker, smirch alert. Go to smodcast.com slash smerchandise to get your official Jay and Silent Bob iPhone 4 cases from Casemate. Choose from three different snoogerific designs. We got soft ones and hard ones. Hey, I'm talking about the cases, bitch. All emblazoned with your favorite Smodco icons, Jay and Silent Bob. Snag your iPhone 4 case for $39.99 and protect the precious smodcast.com slash smerchandise yo Canada Jay and Silent Bob are gonna be royally mounting you December 7th in Vancouver December 8th Edmonton December 9th Calgary December 10th Saskatoon and December 11th Winnipeg their comedic maple syrup's gonna be gushing all over your timbits. How's that for a visual, eh? Jay and Silent Bob get old. Live in the Great White North. Linky links to tickets at smodcast.com slash get old in Canada. So, you're saying, yo, sir, dude, I love sir, and I want to show the world. Wear your sir love with our official t-shirts, biatch. Fishies have no eyes. Let us fuck. Jay and Silent Bob get old. The Garmy. There's also posters, action figures. There's so many to choose from. Grab your smirch at smodcast.com. Scroll down and click on Smerchandise. Mm-hmm. 
Catch live video clips of Jay and Silent Bob Get Old and Hollywood Babylon on the Kevin Smith blog for the Huffington Post. Huff.to slash Kevin Smith blog. That's Huff.to slash Kevin Smith blog. Want early access to tickets for Smodcast Internet Radio's metric fuck-ton of live shows? Join Smodcast. For just $4.99 a month, you'll get CD-quality audio of every podcast you hear on Sir ad-free. It's like watching porn without having to fast-forward through that goddamn plot. You'll also get bonus video content and other badass exclusives. Smodcast where Smodcast goes save for pay. All the deets at Smodcast.com. Hello. I'm at Jack underscore Morrissey. Welcoming you to... Episode 8 of Team Jack. Episode 8, Haters Gonna Hate. With my newly returned co-host, at Greg Yolen. <laughs> at Greg Yolen. <laughs> and our newly minted attorney Hooray! on Team Jack, at K- <laughs> K-A-Y-A-Y-T-C-H-E. K-H. Whatever, no one cares. Still don't get it. <laughs> Need free legal advice? <laughs> go back to episode, follow me. On. Go back to episode six. Get the Twitter handle and tweet your legal question to Kerrigan Hennings, who is now an attorney in the state of California, That's where statistically the bar exam is the toughest in the nation. Yes. Correct? Yes, it was a um, abnormally high pass rate this year, with fifty-four percent of the test takers wow. passing. Normally, it's under fifty. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What makes California's bar exam the toughest? It's three days as opposed to the next kind of level down is New York. They have two days. But we in California, we have to take these things called performance tests. They are essentially case studies. You get a problem. You have to write a memo and read this closed universe uh, group of cases. We have to do two of those as well as Six essays and then 200 multiple choice questions. And so from what I understand, they don't allow you water this no, entire time. No. No water. Well, no is water, no snacks, no gum. <laughs> That's true. Can't really? take anything Wait, in. is that really true? That's really true. You can't, you take can't no water. drink water? Nope. Not can't, a drop. Not Well, I mean, when you go outside, that's fine, but you can't take anything into the test. It's no wonder you all become alcoholics. <laughs> Camels. You didn't say anything about Ardbeg. <laughs> <laughs> I love a throwback to a previous episode. Yeah, well, it keeps the, the listeners, all three of them, on their uh, 15 toes. And let's just, one uh, of them has one foot. <laughs> no. We also what? have with us at, speaking of camels, we also have with us at Camel Toad. Camel Toad. There you go. Matt Cohen. Hello. Who's practically a co-host at this point. I mean, I even though I try, say, I try not to be, but... There's I'm, no I've I in team, opinions. but there is an M and an E, apropos of absolutely nothing. There's yeah, an M and an E in a Cohen, so you just brought it all And around. there's a exactly. C-O-H in co-host. There we go. Well. I'm like, I was born to do that. Co-host. Um, oh, God. Episode 8. I've become my grandfather. We're, we're uh, recording... At Casa Yolen, 
over here in the Los Feliz uh, village. Yes, welcome, of welcome. The Los Angeles metropolis. Uh, his street is somewhere very near Goodwill. It's very near and Goodwill. Wacko. <laughs> More importantly, Wacko. <laughs> Where you go buy your trendy patchouli soap. <laughs> you buy patchouli soap and bobblehead dolls of long forgotten fads. Like or you, I can't believe that store is still open. You can get like a, a Tim Allen home improvement bobblehead. I guarantee it. Guarantee really? it. Go to Wacko. Wow. You go to Wacko. I do. Do you? I get my coffee. I go to Wacko. I buy some. Did you go to Wacko on Black Friday? Fun postcards. Uh, I, I was actually back east uh, on, on Black Friday. In fact, we I think all of us here, or many of us uh, in this room, were all doing some traveling. That's right. Uh, over the past. Where were you, Jack? Team Jack has just reconvened in the um, Greg Cave. Um, <laughs> London, he calls it a cave because London it's and a cave. Rome. Oh, really? Well, I don't mean to London and one up you, but I was in <laughs> Southern Connecticut. So. Kerrigan, I was in uh, my apartment. <laughs> Where's that? Is that that's in West Hollywood? Asia? My what? My apartment. My apartment. Oh, Burma to my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> And Matt Cohen, you were. I was with all. I was migrating with all the other Semitics to uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. <laughs> like, there's a lawyer in this room. If I needed a lawyer on the plane, ninety eight percent of the plane would have stood up, and the other two percent were disbarred. <laughs> so I, I was doing that route. I ate at Ben's Deli for Thanksgiving. I had a salami and brisky sa- brisky brisket sandwich. I swear to God, really mm. big Jew. Yeah, but Jews don't do American Jews don't don't eat turkey. They don't. Uh, El tryptophan is not cook. kosher. At least my parents don't. Like my family doesn't cook, so it's no one in my that family is, cooks. So, so you're go truly to restaurants. Jewish. Usually go to Ch- Italian restaurants, like Chinese restaurants. This year truly I lucked out and Jewish. got a deli. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And on Christmas Day, you go to the movies. Movies in Chinese. Food. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Only thing. Movies in Chinese. Food. I remember seeing. And so I write hate missives off Day. at the Gentiles, but that's another. What's that? And I write hate missives off the Gentiles, but that's a whole... <laughs> Why the fuck can't I go get fucking Best Buy, man? Keep, oh, keep your eyes on at Camel Toad <laughs> on Christmas Day, folks. <laughs> it's going to light up. You were saying, Greg Yolen? What? Oh, I, uh, Christmas Day. Oh, movies. yeah. I can remember seeing tons of great movies. I, I remember very, very vividly seeing Dumb and Dumber on Christmas Day, uh, Beavis and Butthead, uh, Do America. These were childhood uh, you know, Christmas days for me. Here's my here's my sole Christmas Day Jewish movie going story as I am uh Roman Catholic. I was ripping tickets at the aforementioned Clarkson Six, now a Petco in Chesterfield, Missouri, and on Christmas Day, my first Christmas Day on the job, um here came all these West County, West St. Louis County Jews in fur coats. The women, uh, and they were filing in to see the movie version of the long-awaited, eagerly anticipated movie version of a chorus line. Ooh. They couldn't get enough of it. Anyway, I was like, "What's wrong with those Jews?" A chorus <laughs> line? Are you kidding me? We like showmanship. It's true. It's true. It goes deep in our our <laughs> collective bloodstreams. And speaking of showmanship and. Um, Theater, Matt Cohen, weigh in on the Muppets. Real quick. We were talking about um, this before we started recording. And I'm eating a chip because Greg Yellen was so nice to provide it. Oh, my I know. Chips and salsa at... Uh, 
Uh, Casa de Yolan. Only one ninety nine at Trader Joe's. My 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 bud feelings are this: it wasn't the worst movie ever made. I would rank it number five out of the films, <laughs> which means it's after Muppet Christmas Carol, which is bad. Like I didn't want that wow. to happen going into it, so it's nowhere near the Hensons, in my opinion. It would be like if someone took either a dead pet or your dead grandpa, like strung them up, did a weird, almost approximate impression of them, and like walked them around. Like it looked right, nothing about it felt right. There, there was no magic for me in it. And I know I'm, I'm in the way minority on this one. They mentioned it's just it was too meta and hip and pop culture. They say Jack Black's name eight times more than they say Ralph's. Really? And I've been waiting 12. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's all about You're like, a hardcore Muppet. Hardcore, fan. hardcore. And there was, it was all. You have a like, tattoo, you said? Yeah, I have a Kermit the Frog quote tattoo. Like Emily What's Blunt. What's the quote? Write your own ending from the end of the first mm-hmm. Life Psycho movie, write mm-hmm. your own ending. Um, wow. It was just very celebrity. It was all more, it was more about the humans and the Muppets, in my opinion. Like Emily Blunt came on screen uh-huh. and my midnight theater erupted. There was never one applause break for a Muppet. I didn't. I had to IMDb the movie to see who she Wait, was. Wait, people erupted for Emily Blunt because she was working at a Vogue, and apparently she did that in another movie I never oh, saw. The Devil Wears Prada. See, like I'm the Muppet fan who was like, I don't know who. The, I thought it was Katy Perry. Well, they do look a lot alike. <laughs> like I had no idea. So I, I think so. Really? It was a bummer. I think Emily Blunt and Katy Perry. <laughs> I I, sh- me, I thought it was Katy I Perry. I totally yeah. am with you. Wow. Um. It wasn't the worst thing ever made. It was entertaining. It just wasn't magical. And that's what Jim Henson stuff was to me. Yeah, not, totally. You know right. what I mean? And I'm not like an old, I'm a fucking baby. I go to, I have an annual pass to Disneyland and all I buy is toys. So I can still get down with childlike wonderment, you know? Right. I just, it wasn't happening for me on this one. So you, uh, would you say that you're a hater, a hating hater? I'm, I'm a half hating hater because I wanted to make a billion dollars so the franchise can continue and then eventually I get to try to make one. That's my, like, I want this right. movie to do so well. Right. Because there still could be a great Muppet movie one day. Right. Yeah, definitely. Just, it, this, some, my friend nailed it. Did you see the SNL with Jason Siegel? Um, uh, nope. I actually did. I saw some of it, yeah. If you saw the opening, it was like Siegel and the Muppets like fighting for attention, and that's kind of what it was. Jason Siegel wrote a Jason Siegel movie with right. Muppets in it as opposed to a Muppet movie. Interesting. Yeah. And well, yet, as you point out, almost no one, no one else. In the I'm world the only person in the world who this. thinks like this. Harry Knowles, for the first time in my life, I've agreed with a Harry Knowles review. He took it down. He took it down, and he didn't hate it. I mean, it's not outright hate. It was, it was fun. It just so. I didn't love it at all. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a Jim Henson Muppet movie. It's not a return to form. It's the voices. The voices are... Well, Fozzie, Fozzie fucking kills me. I mean, even Kermit and Piggy and, and some of the original guys are in it. Gonzo's the real Gonzo. But Fozzie, the guy who did Fozzie, has never heard Fozzie Bear fucking talk before. Like, it was shockingly bad. Wow. Well, Frank Oz, notably, refused Hated to do script. this movie and has and agrees with you. Has made some statements, although Frank Oz, a notable is malcontent. A <laughs> uh, and do we know if you've seen the film? Well, he has, and he has spoken out and said that it is not true to the spirit of the original. Well, he spoke about wow. a script originally. It was like, I don't know if you know the concept of the film, but the Muppets have broken up. They're not famous anymore. So Kermit and Jason Siegel and Amy Adams have to travel around to reunite them. Kermit lives in like an abandoned mansion and doesn't talk to his friends. And Frank Oz was like, Kermit wow. would never live in a fucking mansion. I mean, there's yeah. just a lot of things. The characters... There was one character a moment. A lot of conceit. There was one character moment in the entire film I liked, and it involved the Ralph laying on a hammock, being like, "I'm a stoner," you know. <laughs> it wasn't those exact words. It was basically like because they, they did a montage where they showed all the new Muppets coming in. Spoiler alert: 
Right. And Ralph was all of a Too sudden late. in the, yeah. <laughs> Ralph is all of a sudden in the car and he's like, why didn't you show my intro? It was exciting. And then they cut to Ralph on a hammock and they go, Ralph, you want to join the gang? He goes, okay. And he leans back down on the hammock. <laughs> like that to me was the one character. That's what I was missing, man. They weren't. Yeah. Wow. I could go on, but I won't. Why not? Because <laughs> uh, people dig it so much. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm the vocal minority on this one. I don't want to bring everyone down because some people did feel well, the magic, and I wish I could have, you know? Right. For the people out there who genuinely did enjoy it, like I spoke to people who were like, I cried. Right. Uh, like they play a lot of old throwback songs, like they do Rainbow Connection and that stuff, and they say they cry during it. For me, it just reminds me of how Arrogance good those other saying. movies fucking were. Did you see it? No, I didn't. But the fact that they're gonna put in Rainbow Connection, it's like they don't have anything themselves. It was a it was a tribute movie, and it just made you remember how good the Henson movies really were. All the you know what I mean, all the old jokes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We should go go see it, and we'll report on it next time, gang. Well, and finally, let me just say, I, I love the fact that we're back to being a little relevant. With an episode of Team Jack, we're recording this on the last day of uh, Thanksgiving weekend on Sunday, for airing on Wednesday afternoon. So, well, we're finally sort of uh, back in the groove of being semi-contemporary with what's actually happening. But semi, semi. Speaking of staying relevant to this week, um, the Muppets were a flash in the pan compared to something else, though, weren't yes, they? That's sir? right. What was it called? Look at that going? segue. Look at that segue. <laughs> um, the Co- Twilight with Saga. The, with the assist. Yeah, the Twilight Dawn Saga: Breaking Dawn one. Part One, uh, which is is a big uh, a big hit. Perhaps not surprisingly, but but still thrillingly. <laughs> <laughs> I um, saw that movie. <laughs> me too. I've seen that movie more than once, Kerrigan. Yes, I have. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, we're, we're, we're going there. We're going there. For the first time, and really for the first time in well, a Well, for anyone way, who, who obviously doesn't, who, who Jack, might be listening, we are going there. All, all three of you with two toes apiece. Uh, it's, <laughs> um, it, you know, Jack, Jack and I are obviously both intimately involved on the film, uh, and, um, and so to have it come out finally and and see this huge response, uh, both overwhelmingly positive and in another complete sphere, you know, uh, very negative, yeah. is is fascinating. And it's been uh, it's been a really it's, inter- been, an it's been a first time experience for me certainly. Um, because well, it's your first time associated with a movie. With it's the movie. first time you've ever worked on a movie. It's my first time in any credits of the movie. Yeah, you've you've got your first feature credit. I I do. Is, there is there is another Greg Olin out there actually, and, and if Twilight? you IMDb me, uh, and I recommend you do, you will come up with my cousin. <laughs> and Are you and kidding? don't be fooled. There's another Greg Olin, and he is into film. And there's some the Jews would call it kismet. I guess there are two Greg Olins, and we're both in the film industry. I've actually never met him. Um, Weird. is this, this is your, my first is IMDb this... credit? Your first That's credit? Kismet. I'm Matt Cohen number 16 on IMDb. Matt. Well, I know, yeah. <laughs> I went to high school with three kids named Matt Cohen. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, but yeah, so this is a, a big, I mean, for, for both of us. It will be your first, first credit. It is my first credit. It will be my seventh or eighth special thanks credit. Yeah, Greg, IMDb what is your credit page. on the movie? Uh, assistant, assistant to, to Bill Condon. Yeah. Which, by the way, is the first time we've ever come out of that particular closet on an episode of Team Jack as well. Here I am. What, is the, what is the strange relationship between <laughs> Jack Morrissey and Greg Yolen? How did they 
how did they why how did they, we, talk they become so much? our our modern day equivalent of butch and sundance <laughs> um it's that i live with them and you work live with him and i live with you live with him from the hours of (laughs) (laughs) um no bill is bill is a a great guy and and obviously a great director and uh and and so then getting back to the sort of the response you know i uh obviously have seen the film uh about i would say well i've certainly seen it more than i've seen any other film ever in your life in my entire life because you've seen so many different i've seen every piece of it a hundred times over and and it's it's not alternate cuts so much as it's cuts in the evolution right on the way from refinements editors rough assemblage which starts starts falling into place literally like a a day behind the production unit the shooting unit the editors rough assemblage starts to form up all the way through the final cut locked cut you've seen every iteration every every possible iteration of the film yeah. um and uh and and i'm happy to report that what is in the theaters is the best one of those yeah. um you know which, which is I, maybe I, not always the case i exactly i don't i don't know if that's always the case i think that there are some films that are are developed in the opposite direction that are uh you know audience tested and one of the things that's unique about uh about doing a film as big and and secretive in its production as as twilight too is that it's really not shown to advanced audiences no so yeah, what do you mean secretive well in terms of you know making the film uh and the 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 extent to which we actually had to lock down our set uh, and the secrecy of the script. Oh, okay. So-called um, set containment. Set containment was, you know, huge. And and look at these nine-minute credits in Twilight uh, in Breaking Dawn, and you will see tons and tons of set containment PAs and kids whose job it was to... to make sure that st- that dress... To stand in the rain for 14... Literally, never their got job was to internet. stand in the rain on the road for 14 hours and just make sure that no one who wasn't supposed to be there was there. By the time we were filming the the wedding uh, scene, which was at the very, very end of the production. Of um, the very, very end of a how many day production schedule? It was 100 days. Uh, that was both movies shooting, it was part two, one and part yeah. two shooting simultaneously on a, on a non- sequential yeah. schedule, meaning you could, you'd shoot a scene from part two and then and then After jump back lunch, to part, shoot, one, shoot and a scene from part one. It was all over. And all, all of that shot in Louisiana or state, uh, it stages were here? Primarily in Louisiana. Most of our interiors were shot in Louisiana. Baton Rouge, to be uh, specific. In Baton Rouge. The inside of the house. Lovely Baton Rouge. Well, there was the, the amazing thing was that there was a, the, a build of a house, of the Cullen house, where most of the action takes place in this film. Right. Um, the one in the woods. One. That's the one in the woods. Like the modern so that one. entire house is yep. built in a soundstage in Baton Rouge. Really? Um, what studio? It was oh god I'm blanking on it. We can talk about all this stuff now, which is great. We can. the The veil has been lifted. Um, Celtic the, Studios the was called, veil. or Celtic Studios, if you're from Boston. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was just a huge soundstage, and we literally had the entire house built. So uh, all of the interiors that you see, when someone walks into the house, uh, you know they're they're basically walking from Squamish, British Columbia, which is about an hour right, outside right. of Vancouver to the north. The trees. They're on walking the way to Whistler. exactly. It's about an hour Where south the of Whistler. Winter Olympics were. Um, we had lunch there. You're walking into the house it's in Squamish, and you're walking uh, into Baton Rouge. Um, so most of it, all the interiors were in Baton Rouge and exteriors were in Squamish, which, which was where we finished. And by the end, when we were in Squamish and filming the last of the wedding and the wedding was the last thing we shot, um, we had, uh, we literally had to lock down everything on the set. We were handing in our cell phones at a place which we called Checkpoint Charlie, which is at the top of this hill. Yeah. 
Uh, it was muddy and rainy, and we were filming nights. You had to hand in your cell phone. You were cut tell off. Tell the check or tell the uh, tell the cell phone story. Which one? Like on the first day of absolute insane lockdown. Tell oh. the cell phone story where you're stopped literally on the way to. You're you're in base camp and you're stopped on the way to Bill's trailer and you're and you're basically Bill the director's cell phone yeah. is now being demanded of him to yeah make sure that the director does not take photographs to, of yes apparently to the tweet, wedding dress. tweet out photos of his own set it was it was pretty massive and you can you can obviously understand and I think I I definitely forgive some misunderstandings but there were certainly moments where there and, and they brought in tons and tons of of kids and they're kids really yeah. young people who are just asking you who you are for your ID at all points now I've been on this show then for at this point almost a year yeah. and people are coming up to me and going uh, can I see your ID? And I've never seen them before in my life. My response being, <laughs> can I see, can I see your, your fucking ID? Who are you? <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh, you know, what, this is your first day on set? Like, you know, um, but it was, well, th- as soon as she comes out in, in, when we're finally filming the scene in, uh, in her dress, uh, there is a helicopter overhead in her wedding dress. Suddenly, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a chopper is, is circling us. Really? And, uh, and umbrellas are put over her and she's hustled back indoors. And, um, yeah, it's fine. You can close it. It's hilarious. Uh, and so, I mean, there was obviously legitimate concern and legitimate need for, for secondtainment. But, right. um, all this getting back to the, the very roundabout point of, you know, uh, because there's so much secrecy surrounding it, we're, we're not showing this film as most major motion pictures are done to advanced audiences and then getting polling statistics. And really, in many cases, that is exactly Market testing, how, how which is done by a company made. called NRG. Right. So really, you know, we didn't get too much view. We did one test screening and it was very positive. Right. And we made, I think ultimately we probably made one or two small changes to the film. Right. As a result of that, but for the most part, super minor. It was where was the test screening that you did? Um, we should not disclose that location, as we'll probably be using it again. It was in my apartment <laughs> for part two. Yeah, it was a custody. The veil isn't completely again, lifted. By again, wacko on uh, Hollywood Chips Boulevard. and salsa were served. Yes, from Trader Joe's, one ninety nine a bag, <laughs> and they fed a multitude of screaming. And it's no wonder that the test results were so girls. glowing. It's true, Trader Joe's. I mean, can't we grease them up with free chips and salsa? The one I used to do, uh, I used to go to test screenings for um, not test screenings. I used to do uh, press screenings for Quick Stop. I used to write. Uh, Online reviews. And um, right. the best thing ever was Speed Racer. They gave you like $800 worth of candy. I had those fucking... You, <laughs> they you gave you, stay they, awake, stay awake. <laughs> they gave you the baby bottle that you dipped in, like the lollipop with the sugar shit. It was insane. So I don't remember the movie. Really? I just remember being fucking raged out of my mind on sugar. Which, by the way, is super smart. For that, for that movie. movie, yeah, it's totally. totally smart for that movie. It was insane. So That's that was the best. That was the best food at a screening I ever got. Like wow. a fucking assortment of sugar. Yes, we gave all of our our test audience members uh, a full wedding dress, uh, a Carolina <laughs> Herrera wedding hero. dress, and 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 I personally bit each one of them their abdomens on their way out. Um, so yeah, so this was, but to make the the sort of unique the unique experience then of of having this movie finally come out is that. You know, we don't really, we had no sense, almost no sense of how people were going to respond to it, yeah. uh, which would have been buffered had we had NRG screenings in advance, which we didn't. Actually, I don't think that's true because... Well, I do. I think it's true. So fuck you. <laughs> well, 
That's my but attorney. But have people I'll have responded, my attorney deal But here's with you. the thing. NRG screenings don't... Sitting in, in the middle of an NRG screening, or well, I mean, the old days being the old days when Harry Knowles could be sitting in the middle of an NRG test screening and no one would stop him from taking that seat. Um, these days, there's no straight white male blogger sitting in the middle of that screening. So, Fair enough. Your point is, my point is, the audience reaction or the audience reception to the movie has com- has been completely other from the standard, by this point, you know, we're four movies into this franchise, reaction of whatever you want to call that specific demo of the straight white male geek blogging class, yep. who many of whom I know, uh, and I've got a, obviously, with my, uh, having been raised on a diet of the Spielberg Lucas canon, Star Wars, Star Trek, etc., and even, you know, my latest obsession of um, Ron Moore's Battlestar, the walk, or, you know, Frank Darabont, in quotes, uh, The Walking Dead, like, <laughs> I've got a foot firmly planted in that world. All you need to do is look at all those cartoon characters blasting out from a around my little emperor on the it's so team true. jack logo That's, um that is by the way for anyone who hasn't seen it that it's like a a hieroglyph of what is important to jack yeah if, exactly if future generations ask who jack was <laughs> they're like well he clearly liked battlestar galactica and super train and <laughs> super train um, and uh but Star i Wars. you know and this july will be my 10th comic-con so i've i've I know that world and I've got a, I am of that world. So anyway, In but, end of it. but I'm also way into team twilight, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm embedded in twilight fandom deeply. Yeah. And you're, I get you're it all up in there. I totally get it. So, um, you're a 13 year old girl in a 13 year old Well, it is interesting because, body. um, Again, it's like I love Dream Girls as much as I love, you know, tries desperately to think of less genre movie that I even Tron Legacy. Yeah, that's a great example. Yeah, yeah, of another uh, Disney attempt to reboot <laughs> an old brand, <laughs> moderately successful. Yeah, well, not Tron Legacy. Well, in terms of the actual product, we're we're getting off on a jag. Yeah, but bottom anyway. line being, we actually all like Tron Legacy in this room. I think. we totally did. Do you? Did you? No, Matt Cohen? no, Matt doesn't like it. Okay, Kerrigan, pass the mic. I just want to. I'm just. In, I'm always interested. Now, I was, as I was, Matt and I, as Matt and we all start to or keep sort of discovering new uh, layers of each other. Uh, what you read on Tron? You Legacy? were a hardcore Tron fan, right? Um, back in the day. It's no Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Okay, but but you dug it <laughs> uh, enough. It was I was that was me. So so I was never totally invested in the characters. So when the second one was just like lasers and motorcycles, I was like, I'm fucking out. I don't know who these people are. They're all I don't understand. Like the weird a feet guy in like the white fucking coat. Well, it was he just has nothing to do with the the Tron universe from 1982. Though. That's what I mean. The, the, I like Tron, I like the original way more invention. than I like Legacy. I thought it it was Disney trying to capitalize on this weird some like who even they were marketing it's it a subcult. It's a sub sub subcult, right? Yeah. Like there's totally. hardcore Tron fans, but they're few and far between. So few of them. 
And this was like we could get them all in this apartment. Exactly. And this was like the sequel you've been waiting for for twenty years, and it was all grandiose. And 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 I don't know. I just I didn't do it for the me. The sequel they'd been marketing for by that point. That's what I mean. <laughs> and it was spending and the wash over Disneyland and the merchandising. Everything. It, it was just Tron in your face. Electronica yeah. at Disney California Adventure. Still there. I went to go buy. It is? Uh, I, I don't think they've taken it down yet. You've got to be kidding! I me. swear to God, I went to go buy a Kermit iPhone case once at Disneyland, and the lady—we've <laughs> all been there. The lady at the counter literally said, "And would you like to make any Tron purchases before you leave today?" Are you I, fucking kidding? And I, I just laugh. How but brilliant is that, though? That's what they say to everyone in the sell, stores. Sell, sell, sell. Yeah. Always be selling. So to me, that was it. Was uh, it was just a big Twilight uh, Saga Breaking Dawn Part One? Exactly. No, no, no. <laughs> if that's what it was to me, no, no, no. Do you have any Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part One purchases you'd like to make? Uh, I mean, are there? Any? We, uh, I'll buy. Are a, you kidding? A or shall we I'll charge buy, your card? I'll buy a maquette <laughs> of a vampire ripping a chick's stomach open with his teeth. Does that exist yet? <laughs> you may have to wait six months okay. for that. That might accompany <laughs> yeah, the DVD. The, si- the sideshow Where, collectibles. Werewolf, <laughs> werewolf with a sidekick, baby. <laughs> You may have to wait a year for that. <laughs> I wonder... Well, actually, never mind. I can't say that. Princess Mononoke. I can't say that. <clears throat> um, you're going to have to, if I if I I'm going to give you a stern look because I'm monitoring this conversation. Breaking, breaking Dawn 2 territory. Uh, yeah. You're going to have to slap my wrist because I don't want to give away any of the awesome secrets of Breaking Dawn Part 2 to be released November 2012. <laughs> I'm beating the drum, baby. I'm beating it. Sell it. Don't smell it. Excuse me. As they say at the in the agency business, right? Um, <laughs> do they really say that? Yeah, so they're usually referring to scripts. Oh. Sell it, don't smell it. I don't why what do you mean smell it? Like it's a it's piece, a of, piece shit. of shit. <laughs> oh. That well, you smell things that are uh, that aren't pieces uh, whatever. <laughs> we're trying to we're trying to make sense of agency talk here. Yeah. Um we're circling, we're basically circling the white elephant in the room. Yeah, right, just get to it. How fucking nasty were, <laughs> were most of those reviews, some of which Deeply. were written by people I've known for 10 years. But Deeply bef- nasty. Before you start, and I, I checked Which out- I'm sure it's a subject, by the way, oft discussed on every uh, show that Kevin does. Reviews and <laughs> Reviews or reviews written by people <laughs> that he knows and all that kind of stuff. But for, for uh, Team Condon, this is sort of the first brush with that because frankly speaking gods and monsters kinsey the script for chicago and dream girls with with a few notable exceptions the reviews for all of those have been pretty consistently great now, as before, have the rotten tomato scores the metacritic scores etc before you go into the twilight reviews i checked up on a few am i wrong in thinking every single one did single it out saying it was the best of the series though no, no, actually. Really? Because I thought no. that was the prevalent kind of feeling on this, was like, this is the best Twilight film, but it's still a Twilight film, is what people thought. They, everyone said it looked gorgeous. That's what, the ones I read, at least. Well, that's good. Everyone that's everyone is certainly to is entitled to their opinion, read. and I I don't want this to be perceived of as, as me saying, oh, you're all wrong to have one. Uh, but I thought what was what was interesting about a lot of these reviews uh, and, and what was sort of... I, I dare use the word hurtful, but it kind of was because you can't completely, you know, take your emotions out of it after you've worked so hard on something. No. Was was how how many people just said, "I'm just so exhausted with vampires. I'm so exhausted with Twilight. I'm so done with it, and I have to do two more." And that was kind of it. Yeah, that was kind of all that they said about. It. They didn't really address the film itself, which I do think goes for something that's uh that's co- complex in in a way and and sort of uh and certainly different from the other films in the series 
and a lot of it was just another Twilight movie. Here we go again. Right. More Twilight. Um, there were a few obvious, obviously notable exceptions, uh, to that. People who really did sort of parse the film and, and did the job of a real critic. But in terms of the blogosphere, if you will, and when you look at, you know, the, the Rotten Tomatoes, uh, average, you're taking into account a lot of people who aren't published, you know, you're taking into account a lot of people who have websites like stevenspielblog.com. That's right. And, and all of them are entitled to their opinions again. But, you know, they're. And it, by the way, let's just point out for the, for the uh, lesser educated listener, that there are there are two different there are two different classes of you can't even call it outlet, but there is right. legit there is legit or legitimate press, and then there's everybody else. Right. And the New York Chi- the New York Times legit. Um. um uh, StevenSpielblog.com. Not, not legit. legit. <laughs> not legitimate. So true. Um, and by the way, and I would say... The New York Post, not legit. You don't even have to go that far. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and I would say the interesting thing is, and, and by the way, it's like, whether or not, whether or not you're, I'm talking about a rave for Dreamgirls or a vicious pan for Breaking Dawn, it's, it's either the New York Times or it's not the New York Times or it's, or it's not legit. And I, I don't, I mean, it's not like you talk about this stuff every, well, actually. No. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> um, it's amazing how the, uh, how noisy everything has become. And it is easy to lose sight of the distinction. Uh, it is also easy to lose sight of the distinction between an actual critic who, writes for a legit, legitimate outlet and someone else who... Who just has an opinion. But who, well, again, at, who is being aggregated at Rotten Tomatoes right, and is, well, that's, that's where is the not a member critics, of... Well, that's where the top critics, you know, heading in Rotten Tomatoes is, is valuable because it does... You do see, you do see a difference uh, between the, the illegit and the legit. And what's yeah. really the difference? Like, legit is, like, like printed... No, it's just, it's like where, it's, it's a bit wild, wild west still in that, um, in the old days when, uh, your friend Jack was a teenager in high school, there were printed newspapers and then there were, you know, there were nightly news broadcasts on the three networks until Fox Network came along and was a fourth network. But someone who was writing a review, what in a newspaper was a legitimate critic who was being paid to write film criticism, whether or not they studied it, who knows, but whether or not they, they went to school for journalism and graduated with a degree in journalism, who knows, but they were, they were a critic, maybe in the, you know, in the daily press in, um, Hampton, Virginia, or, you know, the North Star Ledger in New Jersey or the New York Times or the Los Angeles Times or whatever. But um, along came the Internet where now, you know, basically anybody who who fancies himself, well, anybody who fancies himself, and leave, let's leave it at that, <laughs> yeah, can one. create a blog and... Start to disseminate his. Jack opinion. is looking at me dead Steven in the eye right Spielblog. now. Just, just staring at me. 
anyone can anyone can create a website or a blog and and basically anoint themselves a critic and out here comes the bullfrogs out of their mouth. I think you I think you And the problem the is that the public that can't can't is doesn't is too lazy to make any distinctions. So it's all just goes into the it all goes into the uh grinder and it's all part of the noise. I, th- I think you nailed one of the key distinctions. Legitimate press gets paid for it. 90% of those Rotten Tomato reviews are some lady in her fucking apartment on her blog who wrote enough reviews that she got accepted as a Rotten Tomato critic. Yeah. You know, like not, I think the you go to the average review is like 120 counted reviews and maybe 13 of those will be top critics. Right. So that shows the percentage of of what uh, film criticism is coming from people who went to journalism school, tried to do this for a career, get paid for it, were sought out for it, yeah. and people who just want to fucking spout their opinions on the internet. Yeah. Can I just play devil's advocate just since no I, since, I passed, by the way since I passed the bar exam, <laughs> which basically makes you the devil's advocate. <laughs> well, Kevin, we are lawyers. Well, no, <laughs> and I understand what what you guys are saying, but. Someone who gets on the internet and is able to cultivate a wide audience and therefore... A white audience? Wide. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, maybe white. I don't know. But, you know, and I'm thinking, like, there are a few, you know, websites, blogs, whatever, that have become very popular and people sure. really let's turn take to them. Har- let's take Harriet. Ain't a cool news. Okay. And by instance. the way, for the record, and I don't want to know the answer, but I have no idea what Harry Knowles thought of... I don't think he reviewed Twilight it. Saga yeah. Breaking Dawn. Well, that means you probably didn't like it. <clears throat> but, but, <clears throat> but, go. Does, if, if they reach this kind of level of influence in modern society, which by and large is driven by the internet now, don't they transcend this kind of distinction between old school press and sought after and That's they become point. legitimate? It's true. It's, it's the democracy of ideas. Uh, and, and it's, it's the problem with democracy and it's also the, the definition of it. It's, you know, everyone's entitled to it. And if your voice is either loud enough or your point is salient enough, it's going to be heard. And hopefully you're going to sort of, you know, the cream is going to rise to, you know, completely mix metaphors. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, but yeah, I mean, it, to say that, that, that people who are quote unquote, uh, you know, illegitimate, uh, reviewers are actually, uh, no quotes, illegitimate. Is not true. They are they are completely legitimate. I think that what you see, though, what you tend to see more, uh, what I saw, you know, pouring over these, you know, tons and tons and tons of, of reviews, and I've um, of which I've only waited in. I've barely waited in. Oh my god! And my attitude is, I have the rest. I have all of next year mm-hmm. to catch up on what you wrote about you this movie, you. or you can run what but you, you posted. Hide. On your Facebook uh, Jack wall. is coming after you. I am coming after. Are you going after Facebook walls now, too? You know what it is? Um, getting back from that travel, I'm time-shifted, and now, you know, the, the kid who would usually roll out at, like, 9 um, and stay up until 1 or 2 in the morning, but then, you know, you'd get your 8 hours of sleep and you get up at 9. Now I'm wide awake at 7, and I'm on Facebook, and <clears throat> literally, my thing on Facebook often is I I vacillate back and forth between I'll add you if you send me a friend request I'll add you and oh life is oh the secret gardener Miss Haversham's garden from Great Expectations has has become wildly overgrown and it's now time for Mr Miyagi to get in there with his bonsai that scissors. is my favorite scene in Great Expectations Mr Miyagi <laughs> when Mr Miyagi comes over Trims to trim Miss Haversham's garden <laughs> the gardens back um and it's and it's like I'm 
again, I've, I always vacillate. I vacillate between getting rid of a lot of stuff in my life and collecting a lot of stuff. And so there I am wide awake at like seven, seven, twelve in the morning. And, uh, I just start looking at walls and let's just say I started with the A's and it did not take long for me to run into somebody, a guy I've known sort of for years who had posted this hateful shit on his wall about the movie and in particular about Bill. And it's like, look, free country, check. Free speech, check. But if you're actually stupid enough to post that shit on your wall and think that we are friends, we are not friends. And in fact, the proof of we are not friends is unfriend. (laughs) And you're fucking gone. And when I see this dude at Comic-Con next year, and, and I'm sure he'll play the victim... It's like, dude, what you're going to bite his fu- abdomen. No, I so won't. Hard. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dude, what the fuck were you thinking? Did you really think that if I didn't, if I didn't happen to either re see myself or hear about the shit you posted on your wall about the guy I live with and a movie that I'm involved with, um, and that I was just going to let it pass and continue to be friendy friends with you sober up you know who you are in what universe you know who you are mr mr a last name and the funny thing let's just (laughs) alan arkin never call here again (laughs) and i feel like the funny thing is twilight being twilight and sort of once the once the wave starts to come ashore and everybody's like well everybody's still hating on twilight this is this is safe i can it's like if if I ever um, did this about anything this guy had anything to do with, if I posted some shit on my wall for all my friends to see about my, my opinions about anything this guy had anything to do with, he'd throw me over the boat so fucking fast. But no, it's Twilight, and it's come on, you know. It's, it's like, easy. It's easy to hate on uh, on Twilight, and it's easy to to write a review in general. That just says, I like this, I don't like this. Yeah. And that's, that's what you see, uh, broadly in the quote unquote illegitimate reviews. The, the people who just have opinions and they say what they like and they don't even really justify it. Um, fair enough, but that's, you know. That's your experience that's, of most that's of your, these reviews. That's your experience. That's what I'm in for when I go review to review to review and read them all over the course of the coming year. It, on Spielblog? No. Oh yeah. Well, Twilight. Uh, but that's, but that's something that I always try to do when when I when I sit down and I, and I I mean it's the only reason that I actually keep a blog because I don't think anyone cares about oh Greg you know you know my my taste you can't just take my taste as being red as being good but if you say something that's interesting you kind of make a little thesis point about it and you say well this is this is why I think this works or this is why I don't think it works yeah uh, this is why it adds up to X or it doesn't yeah that's what makes the difference. There's some people who who really did a good job of that in in looking at uh, at Twilight uh, at Breaking Dawn, and then there were a lot of people who just went, "Oh God, it's so stupid and it's boring, and I hate it." Well, here's it. the thing. Yeah, my thing. <laughs> I is, don't take those people seriously. My thing is, and I think Greg now having finished, Greg, what the hell are you looking at? I'm looking at pictures of the Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn premiere on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, and I'm wondering who all these people are. <laughs> um. Weird Al Yankovic. He As was th- he was there, and why? I and I touched him, and I said, 
Al, what's up? And I don't want to say it was the highlight of my evening because it wasn't, but it, it was a well, like, why was he there? I mean, yeah, it's awesome. I love his stuff too. I believe but. he's, he's the, uh, from what I, I heard, he was, he's like the neighbor of, of a summit executive or like the president of summit. Like he Hilarious. lives across the street because that's no Hollywood. Shit. Some, sometimes you live next door to Weird Al Yankovic. Wow. <laughs> How so awesome you invite him to your premieres. <laughs> I, honestly, it's he, he walked past me and I like slapped him on the shoulder and I was like, "Ow, yes!" And he's like, "Hey, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't tell, I can't express how thrilled I was." <laughs> um, yeah, pulling it back. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, what is your guys' favorite Weird Al song? No, I'm just kidding. I'm, Matt oh, Cohen's really? got an answer. Do you need a moment? No, original song or cover or like? Well, that's oh my God. Born, Born to Be Stupid, probably. Because uh, that's like dare a, to be stupid. Dare to be stupid. Excuse me. Wow, oh. I fucked up. <clears throat> all right, all right, motherfucker. <laughs> as, as far as the original, and you as call as yourself the, a Yank fan. As far Amateur. as the non-parodies go, that's probably my favorite. Wait, would it, if a Twi Hard is a Twi fan, would a Yank Hard be a oh <laughs> <laughs> a Yank fan? A Yank Hard. A Yank fan. Oh, I see what you're um, saying. Yeah. The Yankees would be Yank Hards then. Yeah, that's true. They work for a lot of things. Uh, I I really love the Weird Al uh, original song When I Was Your Age, which is a a grandfather singing to his children about what pussies they are. Are you a huge Weird Al fan? When I was when I was in uh, you know eighth grade. What was the album with Everything You Know Is Wrong? Because I loved that album too. Mm, That I think is off the deep end. Okay, right on. Nirvana one. Right. And let me just say this is again what makes. <laughs> Team Jack, such an that awesome we can podcast. hold weird Al conversation. Well, who the fuck knew that we were going to end up in this cul-de-sac? Well, I let me just tell you, I, Weird Al. Look, there's you, Elliot's you have house some, for me. Have some respect for him when you're a little kid, and he's singing about farts and stuff. But I do have the experience of having seen him live at Toad's Place in New Haven when I was in you know 12 or 13 years old, and I remember. The showmanship, he was in every costume from every song. Like, when he did fat, he came out in the fat suit. And wow. it was amazing. How so many costume changes, then? A, t- a ton. Like, wow. literally, a with every ton. with every song. So, a metric fuck So, ton. Uh, seeing him the other, you know, the other night at the premiere was, was touching. Was this closing of a circle? It truly, well, I hope it's not. I hope there's it's more for me now. because he'll be there next year. He'll be at the premiere next November. <laughs> Were there any other... He lives across the street from the <laughs> Any other segment. random celebrity sightings that surprised you guys at the premiere? I like, saw well, I just say for the record, by the way, Kevin, Kevin Smith, his daughter Harley, and, and Muse, Jay right? Muse, all no-shows because uh, Smith's flight was late. Oh, shit. I didn't even know. I yeah, got yeah, the text yeah. from Ma- uh, Megan. Um... So they weren't the coolest celebrity sightings at the premiere. Well, no, but what that makes them is paying customers. There you go, right? Because Harley <laughs> is a is a twy hard. So true. He just made money off of that. It's so yeah, true. That plane ride. Greg's gonna try to pull up some results um for that question. I saw uh what's his name? Um Which one? Glenn Howerton. From Always Sunny. He nice. walked up randomly behind me, and I was pretty thrilled at that. Huh. I know my friend Claire Grant was there with her husband, Seth Green, because they were tweeting Seth pictures. Seth Green was there. there. Yeah, we yeah. saw Seth. Um, Which is cool. Here's hoping Here's hoping it makes Robot Chicken. It seemed like a cool yeah, geeky yeah. turnout, like Weird Al, Seth Green. Totally. Like, it was a geek turnout, not a yeah. that teenage was a, girl thing. You're yeah. absolutely right, and it was thrilling to see that that turnout because i think that uh that that that, you know there is there is a a, another subsection of people that i think get hopefully and and like uh this movie i think if you're talking about either seth green with robot chicken or weird al they're both coming to 
to uh, take in the latest I Twilight. I want Weird Al to do a Twilight song. Can Weird Al do a Twilight song? Can he? Can we make this? I, I think we should put a Weird Al song on the Breaking Dawn Part 2 soundtrack that is literally self-parody. And what if Rob How Pattinson cool wrote that, that song? What A video with, a musician? with Rob yeah, Taylor Kristen and Weird uh, Al Yankovic? The original Twilight. Is he really? Uh-huh. I didn't know that. Yep, yep. Yeah, he's a quite a ta- he uh he's a talented musician. Um yeah, there was was there anybody else who was like really bizarrely random at that huh. premiere? I don't remember. Governor Schwarzenegger, just kidding. <laughs> um He took me home. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> wow. Uh yeah, I don't know. I remember seeing a a uh list of everybody who was coming and it was kind of a crazy, crazy list. There are those people that were definitely, and th- that's kind of who I'm perusing here on Rotten Tomatoes. There are those people that you see, and, you know, I, my TV is hooked up to a Blu-ray player, and that's it. I don't really watch TV. So okay. there are those people that you see, and there were a ton of them, who I'm like, that person is obviously on a TV show. They're right. obviously on a TV show. There was I have definitely no idea who they are. No, <laughs> yeah, I saw a lot of people. There, were, there of was no reason for them to be there other than the fact that it's a Monday night, it's the event for mo- of that Monday night in Los Angeles. It's a big premiere, and there's a certain class of celebrity, or, or you know, legit actor, etc., or Celebitons. illegitimate critic writing for illegitimate outlet um, or illegitimate who want to be photographed on that red carpet, or in in our case, black. Well, the fans carpet. are probably the same, right? The same people who like that movie, like these TV shows. Yeah, was there yeah. anybody from Vampire Diaries? Uh, probably, you know. Again, I was seeing party. people who I'm like, them. They're in. They're just. They're. You know what it is? It's facial symmetry. When you see someone with a real symmetrical face, you're like, obviously, TV television show. actor. Obviously, <laughs> network. Uh, network. That's TV. what it takes. Well, Shit. that yeah. is that is the standard of beauty by uh, you symmetry. Know, TV, TV standards by TV standards because uh, most TVs are still even now. Uh, perfectly square boxes, so it's very pleasing to have a That's true. completely symmetrical face inside that perfectly square box. I didn't see any of the, like the like uh, Robert Peter Dinklage or just kidding. No, 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 like the stars. Of well, the that, were that's they there? because they were all they actually they were there. They walked the carpet, and then I I think they sat through about half of the film, and then they had to go get on a jet yeah, to take them said. to uh, Europe to do press before the. You know, London premiere there and yada yada yada. Later. Yeah. So he was uh, when when we were sitting in the auditorium. Rob and Kristen were, I think, respectively two and three rows in front of me, uh, and both of them were just sort of like you know whisked away halfway through the film. Yeah, before the real fun shit starts. Got to go to work before um, this unbelievably spectacular, spec fucking tabulous after party, which was, was uh, off the charts. It was like a Ridley Scott. It was. Pretty decorated party. There was a waterfall was unbelievable. in the place. They had they brought a waterfall into the There was tent. so there were so much foliage that it developed its own atmosphere. It's really true. I can't, I was sweating like I was in the fucking jungle. Were you really? Yeah. And it was awkward because I saw I I saw my old boss uh he who happened to be there and I was just dripping sweat. And I think he must have thought that I was like incredibly nervous to see him or something. Because I was like, I'm not usually like this, you know. This is not. I, I'm really happy right now. I thought I wouldn't grow. Who was, who was this? 
uh, Scott from Universal. We used okay. to work, you work for an yeah, executive uh, at Universal who yep. who had very positive things to say about the movie. Uh, I was, I was and, very and there grateful. was a bar every five feet. It's which, true. Chip break. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> or or a or a buffet of like some really good snack food. Sweet potato fries. It was a, it I think was it was a little better than snack food. A wonderful. Wh- but what I mean party. is like you know it was like tacos or uh, you know. I forget. Lobster stuffed with tacos. I was porterhouse drunk. Yes. Bones bagel steak. bites. Yeah. <laughs> Pizza bagels, bagel bites. Get any bites. porterhouse steak. Pizza where was bites. That? Porterhouse T-bone steak cooked to your liking. Where the where was that? Just kidding. Oh yeah, yeah I was like, uh, I, I missed I, that I table. I didn't see that station. It wasn't that out of touch with our current lean times. Um, it's so true. <laughs> here's poor. Here's T-bones. Um. Anyway, but how about those reviews? Yeah. Well, getting so here's how it goes. No, here's how it goes. 92% on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> audience reaction. That's the review that I think. Oh, is that so? Well, it's, it's something like, you know, it's hovering under 30 for critics and, uh, hold on. And it's, I think Chip it's break. still 92%. Hold on. Which kind of, isn't that like, kind of speaks for itself. A general kind of, um, statement you can make. The movies that, you know, appeal to the most people are the movies that the critics generally don't like. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes yes, no. sometimes no. Giant uh, four quadrant blockbusters and still get the critics wet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. The the thing that I was interested to see though uh, specifically was that a lot of um, uh, and by the way, it is the audience response is seventy three percent now, but that opening weekend was ninety two percent. Right. Um, fair enough. Uh, the even the little the little capsule uh, summation on Rotten Tomatoes uh, mentions the unintentionally humorous moments. Of Breaking Dawn Part One, which I always thought was a little unfair, because how how do you know exactly what the intention is? Well, what were these? Point? Here's my theory. Here's my theory on this. Um, I was shown a review the other night in New York Magazine by David Edelstein, a, a very good review, as I recall, who is a Paulette, meaning a disciple of the late great Pauline Kael. Um. Which means what? You put that in context. She was a lion. She was maybe the lion of She's film probably, criticism. Probably the most important film critic. Certainly modern film critic. Yeah. I okay. mean, she's, she's deceased many years now, but she had a whole... Let's just say she brought a lot of critics up under her, and they are all now... They've all dispersed to the far corners of the globe. Right. Like dandelions they, in the wind. But they are still referred to as Paulettes okay. because they got their start somehow um, in conjunction with Pauline Kale, or she sort of mentored them. Right. And interestingly, uh, most of the best reviews uh, for this movie, most of the raves are all by Paulettes. Hmm. So interesting, including David Edelstein in New York Magazine. And... Uh, I was shown this review. I read the review. It is a, it's a, it's a terrific rave. Yeah, glowing. It's a great rave. Um, and really sort of making connections and getting a lot of things that, I mean, we know very well at this point, having seen, having seen a lot of these ideas come into the movie. Um, but when you look at the numeric value that has been assigned that review, on Rotten Tomatoes, it is far lower 
than the content of that review. And when you look at the poll quote that has been that's been pulled by a human at RottenTomatoes.com, human. Um, it literally, it, they've found the one sentence that could possibly be read as the most negative thing in an otherwise unbelievable glowing rave, and they have used that to encapsulate the entire review. And this will be the subject of a conversation that I will have in the coming weeks <laughs> with our friends in Santa Monica who does this at Rotten Tomatoes, and I believe it's, it's done under the editor-in-chief um, who is a hater. It's so often I will read a Rotten Tomatoes review and go, how is that fucking fresh? Or in the inverse, how is that rotten? It yeah. just seems like they'll read two sentences and assign it whatever it's based on. Yeah. It's arbitrary, it seems like, sometimes. Which, again... It's bullshit. <laughs> it's bullshit, and, and who cares until suddenly you've got a movie. Um, And it's not like, you know, oh, God, it's this movie that we've worked on, and... Why does why do people hate our movie or whatever? But it's like, no, you know what? That's a fucking rave review, and you've denigrated that rave review at your review aggregator. What the fuck is what's up with that? And by the way, why is that not a story? For a site that has become culturally incredibly important, and more important than the voice of any single critic is the Rotten Tomato score. Or for the for the connoisseur, the Metacritic score, but still, these are these are review aggregators, and doesn't that mean that, especially if you've become so central culturally, doesn't that mean that you should be really, really, really precise at your aggregating as opposed to what you're suggesting, which would be laziness, and what I'm suggesting is uh, an editorial influence where they basically decide they're going to dunk a movie and they take their time to find a single sentence in a, in a a single by the way like not even not even a um a full sentence an ellipsis and yeah. they have a, well, um, to, to take it's this, unbelievable to take the conspiracy one level further i've been seeing and by um, the way, does Kevin talk about this? Uh, not Rotten Tomato. I've never heard this okay. conversation. To take the conspiracy one level further, though, I've been seeing certain DVDs coming out now with certified fresh Rotten Tomatoes on the box art. Right. Do you think oh, the inverse is happening with those possibly, that they're aggregating them higher because they have some kind of sweetheart deal? To get pull sure. to get pull quotes on the box for sure. What does our team Jack attorney have to like, say? Like I love Attack the Block, but it says Follow the only the, the only blurb on that Follow is certified money. rotten fresh, huh? Huh. Well, hey, see it yourself. See it for yourself, um, if you haven't already, and if you have, buy a ticket. See it three more times, because it all goes into <laughs> into my pocket personally, as as you can all see from Casa Yolan here. Do you, what what do you have that New York review pulled up? In your I screen? do, I do, and well, the 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 pull quote from Rotten Tomatoes isn't uh, isn't damning, but it's interesting. Um, the uh, the pull quote is this. In any case, the last 20 minutes of Breaking Dawn are so harrowing that it's possible to forget that most of the acting is soap operatic, in parens, the guy who plays Carlisle is aging to look like Liberace, and the dialogue, Which is funny. And the dialogue from Hunger. What it cuts out is this last sentence. Um, the movie's that primal. And, uh, I'm interested by that because it, the, the whole sort of, the whole sort of point of this review, if I can sum it up, is that there is something that is very, uh, that is very 
you know, primal that is very basic about the the story that that this you know film tells, which is that it is taking you on this mini trajectory of you know marriage, uh, sex, birth, death, and that there are real you know milestones being hit here uh, right. in in a melodrama in a in a proper melodrama the the likes of which you really don't see anymore. Um, and that it's something that that is in it's a way a, it's an old Hollywood form. It's mu- it's much more unique. The other the other thing I'd like to say though is that you know a lot of oh I'm nowhere near who, finished. Who uh, well <laughs> we're almost an hour here. In fact, we are at an hour. That's fine. Okay, fine. Um, Podcasting being what it is. Well, I have to go. I'm seeing Breaking Dawn Part One again. Uh, that's not what true. time is no? That's you're going to see Martin Scorsese's Hugo. I'm and what time are you going to see that? Hugo. Uh, in a little bit. Don't worry about it. Okay. Anyway, the 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 thing just that I was struck by is that this is a, a sort of form of film that really is not is not made much, and to an extent, the people who uh, and it's not made for men who review who review it who yeah exactly who are romantic men, melodrama almost don't don't have the um the the language to discuss it because it's it's not something that that you see ever now yeah. Outs- yeah. outside of a Twilight film, frankly. Yeah. Um, so the Edelstein uh, review is, you know, they cut out that last sentence, which I think uh, is sort of... It's just interesting. Uh, it, it's kind of the punchline of that whole setup. Yeah. Anyway. Choke. Um, <laughs> I guess my... Well, for those who are interested, and I think we do, we have developed something of a twi-hard listenership here. I hope. From, on the inside, the way that they go, just jumping back to, there's a test... Um, that's great. That's through the roof. And then the movie starts to get exposed initially. And this is true of any movie really. So, um, we'll be having these conversations certainly a year from now. And, you know, if, if this podcast ends up sticking around, we'll have this conversation on the next one or whatever. But the movie is initially exposed to long lead press, um, newspaper editors, magazine editors, people who have to see it early to assign stories. And then, uh, junket press, um, who are going to be attending the press junket. Right. And the, those screenings, uh, played pretty well. And Bill was struck by, I sat next to, uh, I sat next to, uh, a writer for the Los Angeles Times, uh, who loved the movie. Mm-hmm. And, so I was heartened by that again, just in terms of a f- first exposure. And then over the course of the, uh, standard twilight 28 day press junket, Bill was heartened by the fact that so many of these, uh, again, the so-called junket press pulled him aside to talk about what a great movie they thought it was just, just as a movie, not even as a, the best twilight, et cetera, et cetera. So we were feeling pretty good about things and feeling like that could you can never really i i've heard anecdotally that you can never really um count necessarily on the 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 junket press the warmth or or chill of the junket press as being indicative of what you're going to be in for certainly critically um but sailing into opening we were pretty um we were feeling pretty good about things based on again all of this reaction to say nothing um of the fact that we we knew the movie would play incredibly well and had seen it play incredibly well to the audience for whom it was really made, which right. is this massive worldwide audience of hardcore Twilight fans. Uh, I haven't even 
check on Facebook to see how many fans we're up to now. The last time of, it was it was Twilight. easily approaching twenty six million. Um, so uh, it is the Twilight Saga, the films, the official uh, Facebook page. Yes, twenty six million two hundred forty six thousand five hundred forty four people. Yeah, like it's crazy, it. and that's that's who matters when it comes to a Twilight film. Um, and how successful that film is in terms of how pleased they are with it. But anyway, sailing into release, the one thing that I think we were um, really holding our breath about was the fact that you do get early word uh, with a lot of outlets or the the most important outlets, which critic has been assigned the review for that outlet. And we had heard early that Manola Dargis, uh, formerly of the LA Weekly and was there one stop between the LA Weekly and the New York Times? I'm not sure, but she's been in the the New York Times for for years. Well, I think she came in to replace Elvis Mitchell, and that was she did years ago. Yeah, um, like six or seven years ago. We heard that she had been assigned the review. We were, or I should say, we'll leave Mister Condon out of this, as he's not with us, and we really shouldn't speak for yourself, speak Jack. On his this is Team Jack, okay? but uh, terrified by that because she is. I don't, I wouldn't, I don't really know enough about her to, to say that she's a feminist, but she's, she can be, is she? I don't know. She's gotta be. I don't know her. She's incredibly political. Um, she's smart. She's wicked smart. When she want, when she takes a movie out, it is unbelievably, uh, cutting, unbelievably cutting in without question, without debate, the most important newspaper in the world which is the new york times no discussion uh you should have seen what she did to that last alvin and the chipmunks movie <laughs> i don't know those there were dead chipmunks everywhere people involved with that movie still won't leave their houses <laughs> um she is here's a little something some that you may not know about manola uh she's a hardcore trekker did you know that yeah, she's Sucker. a fan of genre films. I'm sorry, chip break. <laughs> what's, a, what's a trekker? It's it's sort of now the it's the postmodern term for trekkie. Oh, okay. hardcore Star Trek fan. Okay, what why did they change it from trekkie to trekker? I don't know, Matt. Do you have any insight? Yeah, uh, it's in the movie Trekkies. They did break down the distinction. It's because. Uh, what, do you know, dude? The trekker. I forget this. I, I know trekkie right. is the lifestyle, and trekker is the act of. I don't remember. It was something silly like that. Like right. I'll, we can look it up. Yeah, yeah. I just say trek. I've just picked up trekker now. It's the more politically correct way to refer to trekkies to keep to keep them happy about the way that you're referring to them. Anyway, she's a trekker. She's a trekkie. She's a hardcore Star Trek fan. She's a fan of genre film, um, but. She is said anecdotally to not be a fan of Dreamgirls. And so we were sort of girding for a horrendous review in the most important newspaper in the world, arguably the most important news outlet in the world, um, by a female film critic, lead film a, critic. A lady critic. Unbelievably uh, brutal about stuff she doesn't like and instead uh ended up getting a rave a really smart review a really interesting review and a review that was super super nice for 
Bill Condon, dare I say, a review that if you were a young kid growing up in uh, Flushing, a borough, what would you call Flushing? Queens, Queens, a borough of New York City, a review that anybody who ever wanted to, who was growing up in Queens and ever dreamed of directing a movie and ever dreamed of that movie getting reviewed by by the New York a lead Times. critic of the New York Times would hope to get this review someday. Yeah. Um, and then the rest was shit. <laughs> Aside from New York Magazine, etc. But the ups and downs, the roller coaster of the critical reaction has been crazy. I mean, the, the turnabout and the, like, getting that review from the New York Times where you were really holding your breath thinking that you were going to get, you know, you were going to take seven nukes to the starboard bow or whatever was interesting. It was, it was, uh, frightening. Yeah. But it, but I think that she, she, uh, and a handful of, of other critics really sort of, um, you know, understand the film for what it is and, and what it attempts to be. And who knows if they're right, even in liking it. I mean, we think they are, but well, we're, this is, this is quickly turned into, (laughs) Jack Jack defends Breaking Dawn. You think? I, I don't think it. I I don't think it needs defense. I mean, well, I here's the thing. My, it's my the number one movie is, in the world. It's it's a phenomenon. as you've seen. Huge. By the way, working with Bill, differing opinions always always like uber solicited. Yep. Let's hear those differing opinions as long as they're well observed, well considered, intelligent. Um, they can also they can be very coarsely delivered if they're right. But as long as they're saying something. As long as they're saying something. The thing, my take on all this stuff is you would think that before this movie opened and um, sold a single ticket at a single box office, there was already like north of $1.8 billion racked up by the first three movies uh, in worldwide box office. You would think after three movies and almost $2 billion in business, again, before this fourth movie even opened, that that would cause some of these guys, guys with really rare exception, um, to be willing to finally meet the, meet the franchise halfway instead of, you know, carping on about Bella and Edward and how they relate to each other or the sort of basic tenants of the twilight universe which they're just it's like we know you don't like it but two billion people or two billion dollars worth of people worldwide do and doesn't that mean um you should take million elvis fans can't be wrong take it seriously enough to write something a little or at least view it on the merits of the film instead of Going into the generic, you know, kind of like twilight it's a, hatred. It's a tired position, and yeah. we'll be in for it next year. And I kind of want to say it's like, see you next year with your same boring, tired twilight review <laughs> that you've written four times. Well, but hence, hence the uh, the sense I think that I got of these people just being exhausted with the franchise and not looking at the film. But do your job. Fair enough. Uh, Whether you're paid for it or you're not your what i what i really didn't like was the uh moralizing of a lot of these uh, male critic reviews 
a lot of people saying, uh, talking about the sort of, uh, you know, the, the damaging lessons that, you know, Twilight teaches young women and all of this stuff, which yeah. I think really does. Which is interesting coming from men. Yeah. Well, what exactly. are those lessons exactly? Because oh, well, they hold out until they get married. There's a Stephen right? King quote that, you know, everyone loves forwarding around Facebook, which is inaccurate, you know, that, oh, Harry Potter is about, hold on, I'm going to pull it up. Uh, it's, but, you know, it, again, it's, it's men saying, um, basically all Bella finds out after five bucks that all she needs is a fucking dude to take care of her and so she could be right yeah the, the quote the, the Stephen which King quote which all these reading. all these guys love name checking is Harry Potter this is the Stephen King quote Harry Potter is about confronting fears finding inner strength and doing what is right in the face of adversity Twilight is about how important it is to have a boyfriend now right. that said I think that you could say Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn has Stephen King ever one. had a boyfriend it's very important it's so true <laughs> <laughs> That should be the pull Fair quote for this enough. for our for the DVD clamshell for episode eight of Team Jack. That's the pull quote. I think right you there. could look at Twilight Breaking Dawn one and say that that's also about confront, confronting fears, finding inner strength, and doing what's right in the face of adversity. Well done, Greg. So I I think that that to then have a lot of male critics uh, say this you know teaches young women uh, to be shallow and to depend on on men in their life and you know this perfect impossible male figure, all this stuff ultimately. It, the, the underlying sort of, uh, the bigotry of it, uh, is that, you know, these, these guys aren't, ta- you know, when any fucking action movie comes out that has, you know, people being pumped full of lead, they're not saying this is teaching our, our young men the wrong thing. Well, the funny thing they're, is, they're, after, after three movies and however many billion dollars in worldwide box office for Transformers, do you still see anybody bitching in a review about the fact that fucking cars and trucks turn into giant walking talking robots right they got over no. it they accept it for what it is and why do they do that terrible. because it's it's male porn <laughs> well that's because right it's shit made for them but not it, made for their wife it's girlfriend, a total, sister daughter it's totally true and it's and it's something that that uh i guess i guess i and have been surprised, surprised by that that you you have a lot of these people defending this idea that that somehow twilight is is really damaging and uh, and insipid in a way that uh, that that male centered blockbuster entertainment isn't yeah. when when some the summer season is just filled to the gills with stories that are all about cleansing through violence and by the way and it's again, so boring and it, it's done it could be death. argued since Star Wars in 1977 it's this it's been this the exact same formula of co- of coke that's been peddled right. by these studios for however many years yeah. pitched almost exclusively or primarily at males of all ages which Boys is not to say again, that i don't i love am it. one of those yeah. guys yeah. you know everybody in this room is is Kerrigan, are you one of those guys one of what guys Star Wars, Star Trek, how do you feel about it i like star wars okay. i never i i saw like the star trek with the whales Thank you, Karen. <laughs> Matt Cohen's My definitely one it. of those guys. I mean, we are—we all grew up in an age where most most big studio movies, or certainly summer event movies, or event movies, regardless of when in the year they're released, are pitched at ma- uh, pitched at males. Well, you want to you want to talk about the entire society is pitched to exactly. males. I it's, mean, it's pitched, how deep are we going like to take Homer, this conversation? It's the Homer Simpson line about you know 
how Bart and Grandpa are sitting in the kitchen, and Bart's saying, you know, I'm a, a young male, no one listens to what I have to say, and, and Grandpa says, I'm an old man, no one listens to what I have to say, and Homer walks into the kitchen, he goes, I'm a male ages 18 through 40, everyone listens to what I have to say, and then he pulls out from the cabinet a jar of gum and nuts, together at last. It's like, that, that's, you know, it's true, but it's, uh, it, and, and mind you, that's a, a classic Simpsons line, not yeah. a, not a modern Simpsons, no, I'm just, yeah. I'm not, I'm no Simpsons hater. Um, but, uh, but, you know, you, you want to talk the hypocrisy of, of the critics and, and I do clearly, uh, look, look at a movie as like, a, as look a critic at a, yourself, because, hey, you're somebody who writes film, movie reviews on a, your blog. On my stupid blog. So you're a Did you review Twilight? Uh, I didn't. Conflict, Conflict of, of interest. interest. Recuse um, yourself. I know. Recuse, recuse, recuse. But Nicely. look at Drive. Look at that movie Drive by yep. uh, Nicholas Winding Refn, which is a film that I, I really enjoyed for what it was. Mm-hmm. But you have people uh, totally beaten off to this movie, talking right. about how it's something that is... Men. That is complete... Yeah, men. That is something Mostly completely males. new and brilliant and stylish. It's not. It's, it's not. not. It's it's porn. What, what it's did violent, it before? It's violent it's porn, porn and it's guy porn. And, same old, and yet same old. you have people who it's are like at the end of the year are going to say movie. this is one of the best films of the year. Drive is, my, not, num- Drive is my number one movie of the year. The, the best it's film. Guy porn. It's guy porn. That's what I want. Crank 2 was in my top five last year. Like <laughs> Fair enough. What was? Crank 2. Oh, it's Crank incredible. Crank 2. Give me a was in your top five. Oh, yeah. That's so... I love those two guys. It was actually two out of the three top five. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, Um, totally, Drive is all... uh, As a guy who wants guy... I don't justify it, and I don't say it's anything deeper than that, but that's all I want in a movie. But But do you want Twilight? No, no, I don't. I don't, Fuck and that's no. the truth. And I wouldn't no, go. I wouldn't would... go to see it thinking yeah. I might like it. And I, w- I would know going in to see it that it's not meant for me. Yeah. yeah. If I got invited to a, a, a back in the day when I used to do the press screenings, I wouldn't have gone to a Twilight because yeah. I know I would have given it a bad review because it's not fucking for me. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, well, I, that's exactly. a really my good grandma point. asked me the other day we were in Borders. She said, "Did you see uh, Water for Elephants?" And I said, "No, because I have a penis." You said the word you said it to your penis? grandmother. Yeah, my grandma. Uh, crazy lady. No, but. she's cool, man. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's that thing, though. I know what movies are made for me, and the ones that aren't. Why would I put myself through that? And why would I? I well, why would you put yourself in the position of of judging? Some, yes. of, exactly. Of or neutral. Analyzing. Of neutral judge. Totally. When clearly you are. When clearly you are not. Absolutely. Yeah. That's. I agree. And that's what these. I think these people aren't doing. All these geek guys reviewing tw- the guys right. who gave Scott Pilgrim ten stars. Why are you even reviewing? Yes. Yeah. A, uh, a film made for 15-year-old girls mostly for the... You know what well, I mean? Well, the funny thing is yeah. you'll, read some, you'll read some There's of no these reviews there. and for me, a, a barometer of, of the review is there's a, there's a um, sequence in uh, Breaking Dawn where these wolves, the the uh, wolf pack gather at a lumber yard and they communicate with each other telepathically <laughs> as characters have been doing since the invention of voiceover <laughs> <laughs> movies television science fiction fantasy whatever but how many reviews have i read by how many again critics and quotes whether they belong to the la film critics society or not many of whom i know who can't get over the fact it's the it's a howlingly funny insane scene an unintentionally funny scene where these these wolves all you know talk at each other or whatever and it's like again but we don't ever question your giant talking robot 
what the fuck? Yeah. And, it, and, and the giant robot that has a, a is, mouth that You're moves. fucking lazy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Um, well, I agree with that. Me I agree, too. I agree with literally everything that's been said. As do I. And I can't wait until next year. We'll see if the world has changed for the good or the better. It won't. It not This is going to be an annual, an annual Team Jack event. If you hated... No, just once more. <laughs> if you hated Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1, you'll... You'll pr- most prob- likely, Probably yeah, hate yeah. Breaking Dawn Part 2. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no. I mean, the next movie is more boy-centric, like the last movie, That's Eclipse, true. because there's... No, conflict you're gonna... that men of all ages can relate there's to. There's nice. There's plenty of violence for uh, men, which means, <laughs> hey, this Twilight not bad as other Twilight. So true. Whatever. Don't worry, we'll jerk you all off next time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, with that, <laughs> I'm Greg. Yolen. <laughs> I'm K H. <laughs> I'm Matt Cohen. And I'm Jack Morrissey for Team Jack, Episode 8, Haters Gonna Hate. This this was a good episode, I think. So true. And uh, we don't get to have little illustrations at... um, We don't get to have little illustrations at Smodcast.com for each individual episode, but let me just recommend to you, if you've made it this far, if you'd like uh, a little thumbnail illustration uh, for Episode 8, go to Google, click on Images... Uh, type in <laughs> haters gonna hate and then look for the specific uh, meme of a bald eagle strutting across the surface of the water because that's something that we send to each other. <laughs> Every We've day. been sending to each other Every since day. Bill said yes to directing tw- a twi- uh, two Twilight movies. And um, all I can say is that that uh, bald eagle has in one of its claws a little dead Muppet. (laughs) (laughs) See you next week.